just for like anyone out there that's like, oh, I might have trauma. Like trauma is really at the bottom line is anything that left your nervous system in a space of fight or flight longer than it takes to outrun the metaphorical tiger that's chasing you. Hey there, gals. Hey there, gals. And welcome back to the episode of The Gals Guide. We are a dating and lifestyle podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Emily. Happy Monday and welcome back for another episode of our podcast. Emily, you have had quite an interesting couple days. I did. I was out and I went to go join um, the writer's strike again. I had a like a lovely day off where I was able to take some time to go um, strike at CBS Radford here in LA. And I was personally invited by one of the writers of the show Boy Meets World and was able to spend the day with some of the cast members. So I got to spend the day with um, Topanga, Daniel Fishel, uh, Ryder Strong, who played Sean, and Will, who played Eric on the show. So that was a really fun day that I was able to just kind of enjoy and Boy Meets World was like one of my favorite shows. I actually came back like <laughs> at the end of the day. I was like, I'm gonna rewatch like my favorite episodes, um, which is predominantly from season three and season four and season five of the show. But um, no, yeah, that was really cool just to be able to meet them. They were all so so kind and lovely. Um, it was really wild just to you know I watched them grow up, and at the same time while I was growing up, I mean, if you ask anybody, like that was hands down like one of my favorite favorite shows. Um, of all time. And yeah, it was, it was a really, really cool day. Uh, just, you know, to be out there making a difference, like with a bunch of the other writers in the industry and showing my solidarity and support with them, but then them come out as well. Did not get to meet Mr. Feeney. It's okay. Bill Daniels (laughs) is literally like 96 years old. So, um, he, he was there in spirit. He was not physically able to even like leave his house. Probably poor guy, but, (laughs) um, no, it was really, really touching to be able to see them. And Will actually did the Feeney call, which he vowed that he was never going to do ever again um, after the sh- after Girl Meets World ended, um, because he technically, like, if you if you didn't know, there was a Girl Meets World spinoff on Disney Channel a couple years ago that um, starred Sabrina Carpenter as I don't remember her character's name. I'm so bad. Oh my god. It's okay, I didn't um, watch the show. <laughs> I didn't even watch it. So you're but good. She essentially she plays. The female version of Sean, and uh, he passed down the Feeney call to her. Uh, so he was like, "I'm just never, I'm never going to do it again." Like, and, and I understand too. Also, like when you meet people, and that's that's what they're constantly asking you to do. Like, I would also probably get like annoyed with it at a, at mm-hmm. a point. But um, no, he did it for all of us um, for a reel that I shared like on my Instagram story. So that was really cool and really exciting just to get to spend the day like in '90s nostalgia with um some of my favorite pals that I grew up watching yeah that was really cool you like sent me the photos and I was like wait what <laughs> you were like I thought I told you <laughs> no <laughs> I knew you I knew you were busy on fr- that day but I like had no idea like what you were doing and so I like randomly get three photos of Emily with them and I was just like wait what <laughs> I thought I told you that explains so much as to why you were shocked. <laughs> well, I was like so excited. I was texting in all caps. Like, <laughs> I 
was like, wait, what? I literally showed Blaine. I was like, look at this shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. No, I totally thought I told you, but I guess I did it. (laughs) You did not, man. You sprung that on me. And I was like on my way to dinner. And I was like, wait, what is happening? (laughs) Yeah, they were great. I still haven't met Chris Pine. It's okay. It'll happen. It's going to happen. You know, when you, when you least expect it, expect it. Yeah. Oh, and then I also um, met, I think his name is Brett Goldstein. He plays Roy Kent on Ted Lasso. Um, oh, that's really cool. Was, he's apparently a huge Boy Meets World fan and wanted to come out. That's really cool. <laughs> so that was really cool. No one was expecting to see him at all. They were like, wait. I'm sorry, what are what? you doing here? And he's like, listen, Boy Meets World is life. Um, <laughs> but he's from England. That's why I think we were all also shocked too. They were like, "Wait, you have Boys World in England?" I'm like, "Sir, <laughs> what are you doing? What do you do over there in England?" And so yeah, but no, that was really it was really cool to see him. Um, and my dad was definitely very jealous of that. But um, but yeah, no, it was really fun, really active. I like getting out there as much as I can, um, whenever I had the time to be able to go out there. And I think you know, if you're wondering how you can support the writer's strike, you know, people are always taking donations and this, that money to this, for those donations. I and mean, I can leave a link and um, the show notes, but yeah, if you want to donate, if you're like, I'm not in LA, I'm not in New York, I can't go out there and strike with you guys. How can I help just, you know, sharing information on social media about the strike and like what, it, why we're striking. And I would also say donating the money and those donations goes to, uh, sometimes if it goes to groceries to help some of the, uh, you know, unemployed staffers who were on the show who are not in the guild, but who also worked on shows like writer's assistants being able to afford, you know, groceries and bills and things like that. You know, they are unemployed at this current moment. And then it also just goes to also, you know, buying water for the strikes and snacks and stuff that we can have like during the day, first aid kits, things like that, that we constantly need during the day. But I just wanted to throw that out there. We obviously stand with the writer's guild here and SAG's also probably going to get ready to go on strike soon. So we also stand with them and yeah that's all I say because we're not going to talk about the DGA and what they're yeah, doing right now <laughs> this, yeah I figured that I figured this is going to go on for quite some time so buckle yeah. up buttercups <laughs> yeah but uh so yeah that that is that is what I've been up to uh what has been your captivation though recently so I think I'm on like a tv show kick but I'm like very continue to be very behind um, I started The Summer I Turned Pretty. <laughs> okay, I haven't watched that. And it's so good so far. So far, I really like it. And I know that season two is coming out, I think, in August. And I think Taylor, well, Taylor Swift has some music. I think that's going to be on it. Um, I've seen the... Like the trailer with August or something. Yes. Uh, there's something, something with Taylor. Um, yes. But it so far it's a really really cute show. Um, I have heard you know mixed reviews about it, and also that um, a lot of people really like the books. So um, it's just kind of a lighthearted thing I've been watching while my husband is at class, and I am just chilling, eating <laughs> eating dinner. What is it about? Um, so it's about this, these two families, the moms are like best friends and they spend the summer at, um, their house on, at Cousins Beach every single summer. And so they've like, she's like grown up with these, you know, her brother and these two guys. Um, and this is the summer that she turned 16 and she's, 
you know, just more more feminine, like as embracing yeah, her she's femininity. Going through puberty. Yes. And so, you know, before she's like the nerdy, the nerdy sister with the glasses and they pick on her mm-hmm. and like um the preface of it so far that I am assuming is she's had a crush on one of the um one of the boys. One of the boys. And, you know, he's he's doing his own thing and she's got a boyfriend down there. And so it's just kind of that like storyline of like to lover kind of I think so. I think that's where it's going. Mm -hmm. I've heard it's very sad. So I don't exactly know where it's headed. Um say it sounds so happy and like mm -hmm. lighthearted. Yeah, it's really it's really it's really cute. It's just like a fun, you know, little summer back in the teenage years moment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's it's that and then only murders in the building. That's what we're watching. I mean both are lighthearted, honestly. One has Mm -hmm. a daunting title, but it's super, super funny. Right. It is really it's really Um, funny. So you're watching very happy. Um sunshine content yes yes i needed a break from like the like in the dark murders like drug you know lord situation because we do a lot of that over here we watch a lot of that yeah (laughs) meanwhile um i'm finally watching mindhunter um oh my gosh are you really yes okay you seen it yes what are your thoughts i I mean one i knew i was gonna love it it's david fincher (laughs) Duh, duh. I have tried to watch it multiple times, but I couldn't get through some of it at the start. So for those of you that don't know, Mindhunter is sadly only two seasons um, because David Fincher did not want to return. It's all his fault. <laughs> Curse you, David. Ew, David. Um, like, why is it always a David? Okay. <laughs> I, I, I love his mind, though. Still love him to death. I know. <laughs> think he's a great I know, filmmaker. I know. I know. Um, but... It's basically about the two FBI agents that coined the term serial killers and the whole behavioral science department at the FBI that basically started studying serial killers and their behavior in order to predict future ones. And uh, you guessed it. It's it's as fucking dark as it is. I mean, they're interviewing like Ed Kemper, Charlie Manson. I literally binged. I binged it so hard in graduate school. And I was just like, I need more. I need more. And then when I found out it wasn't coming back, I was just like, what? (laughs) So I, everybody's like, you haven't watched this yet. I'm like, yeah, I know. I love David Fincher. I love Jonathan Groff. Mm -hmm. I like true crime. This sounds like my kind of shit. It's just so heavy and it is, Yeah, it is. It is very... I like. I can only watch one episode a night, and I'm like, okay, now I need to like watch something else because this is just so dark and heavy. Not me, like, I, watching, like, all of the episodes in one night. Jesus Christ. No you your do, mental health is you, shot. I, you do know how much I love, like, that kind of... Like, that is, like, that. those are my genres. I literally thrive on... Meanwhile, I'm literally watching an episode of that and then turning over to Exo Kitty You're before I go to bed. Like, how do I watch something that's gonna put me right to sleep? <laughs> like, like, I need to turn on like, Exo Kitty um, or something like that. It's, like, super life hearted boy meets world uh, yeah any anything like that like because god that's it's just, funny i mean it is there's gruesome images of these women who are dead and there's some foul link there's like some really like fucked up language that they use um yeah. um you know because it's very misogynistic men who are doing these killings and all that kind of stuff and it's just like whew, i need a break from this uh but 
I, I do enjoy it, and I do think that it's very, very interesting. It's just not for the faint of heart. So, um, Mom, if you're listening, you probably will not enjoy that one. Don't take my recommendation on that one. But watch Exo Kitty. You might like that one. <laughs> Exo Kitty is from the same people who brought you um, to all the boys I loved before. Except oh, I love that. Except it's the little sister's story this time. So wait, that's really fresh. You actually might like it. It's actually really fucking cute. <laughs> wait, real talk. When is the Barbie movie coming out? July 21st. Okay. I want to see that. <laughs> I'm so oh, glad that you know so that. Speaking, date. Of, speaking of pairing dark and light. So yes. Oppenheimer comes out the same day and, oh. um, Oppenheimer, which is a, from Christopher Nolan. It's a three hour long film about the man who invented the, the, atomic bomb mm-hmm. um so that's come out the same day so what i'm doing is me and my friends we're going to see oppenheimer first and, and then, then go watch the barbie immediately right after going to barbie i love that we're 6 30 showing of oppenheimer 10 30 showing of barbie one thousand percent we're just eating we're just eating dinner and snacks like people i'm i get a i get a large free popcorn for my birthday and i was like this is exactly how i want to spend my birthday weekend this this is what i want to do for my birthday weekend just I love sit, that. spend all day at the amc all theater day at the cinema yes yes <laughs> i'm gonna spend all day at nicole kidman's house aka AMC. aka yes <laughs> That's so funny. That's I got fun. that A-list for a reason, baby. Listen, you're like, listen, I'm on the A-list. I'm ready to go. Give me my popcorn. <laughs> this is exactly the reason I got it. Bitch, I saw three movies last week, okay? Was I know. Was Little Mermaid one of them? One of them Again, or two of them? Th- <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Bitch, I've got... If there's, if there's two things in my life that I get my money's worth out of, it is AMC A-list and my rent in my apartment. <laughs> That's very true. Here. That is I very true. always here. <laughs> I keep... Don't know where to find me. My apartment. My apartment. Or AMC. <laughs> Pretty much. I moved all the way to Los Angeles to do those two things. Don't know what to get me to eat? Sushi. Sugarfish. <laughs> Did I have that for lunch? Yeah. Yes. Are you considering it for dinner? Probably. <laughs> Is my wallet yelling at me? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. I love it. So that's my oh. life. Basically picketing movies watching more tv (laughs) but i yeah it it has been it's been really nice to kind of like you know balance all those out like with i mean the strike going on strike and everything like it has been like really i have a full-time job outside of writing so i'm able to kind of still have a steady income but it's been a really great way at the same time for me to go out and see my other film friends that I don't always get to see because typically they would be um working on a film or a show for a long period of time so I do get to catch up with some people and uh I think people this time around in comparison to 2007 when the writers want to strike that time apparently a lot of the older writers have said you know in 2007 it was a really dark bleak time and now a lot of the newer writers we've made it a lot more fun and there's been like themed pickets like yesterday was musical monday Uh, i like it (laughs) we like them we like a musical (laughs) there was a beyonce day we like a daisy jones day yes guys have had it all so I mean, people have been making it at least fun because it's like, what else are we gonna do? I and mean, it, well, it's like it's like we we're still gonna go like regardless. So we might as well make it something fun. to look forward to. Yeah, and if anything, yeah. it attracts more people to probably come out and join. Well, and just like it attracts discussion around the topic too. True. So yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Well, we are so excited for today's guest and episode. We have the lovely Allie Cates on the show today, and we're talking about uh, one of our most popular topics that we've talked about on the show, which is trauma. trauma. <laughs> sparkly emoji, sparkly emoji. Um, but we are really excited to talk about it because Allie is a friend of a friend, and we... I, I just really love the topic that we're talking about in regard to trauma, which is how it's stored in the body. I feel like that is the part of trauma we haven't really touched on that much on this show. And mm-hmm. I've been really wanting to talk about it because it's something that I have a lot of personal experience with and I am trying my best to understand all of it. So I figured that this was a great way to kind of open this door and share it with the gals so they can get a firsthand look at it as well. So I hope you gals are excited and ready to learn alongside with us but this is such a great interview i can't wait for you guys to hear it but before we get into it if you're wanting to get more insights on everything make sure you follow us on instagram at the gals guide pod where you'll be able to check out Allie and all of her content and then also on our personal instagrams at emily elise and at hannah adams miller and then we also would encourage you if you're listening on Spotify, Apple, we have a ton of other episodes relating to trauma that you can check out. You can search for them on there on our website, thegalsguidepod.com, or you can just subscribe on Apple or Spotify and leave us a lovely rating and review on both. But we're going to do a couple ad reads really quickly before we get into Allie's interview, and then we'll be right back. Joining us in the studio today, gals, we have the lovely trauma recovery and emotional health coach that is helping to inspire others to regain control of like their own life and have, you know, this more neutralized stress regulation. And we are so excited to chat with her today. Everyone, please welcome Allie Cates. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, you guys. I'm so excited to chat with you all. This is like a much... This is like a much needed episode. Um, If (laughs) you only knew what has been going on in my life the past, what, Hannah, like seven days? Seven days, I feel like, at this point? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So the timing of this episode feels very, very on point, and we will definitely get into all of that. And as we were saying before we started recording this, you've actually been on one of our friends shows, uh, OK Sis, with Scout and Maddie, who are dear, dear friends of ours. They actually mentored us on our podcast before like we got started. So I love that Scout mentored you. She's also mentored us. Yes. I love them. I love them so much. They're so fun to be around. Their energy is great. They are so hysterical and also complete opposites at the same time. Very much so. <laughs> I love them. But yeah, um, the, they are very much. They are fantastic. So shout out Maddie and Scout. Um, but before we get into uh, everything we're talking about today, which for those of you that aren't aware, if you didn't read the title of this episode, we are talking a lot about my favorite thing to talk about lately has been trauma. <laughs> and we're going to get into defining all the aspects of it um, because this, I think, is a very like vulnerable, candid episode that we can all have. And that's something that the gals probably can really benefit from. But before we get into all of that deep, deep stuff, let's make it a little bit light. And we would love to hear something that you are currently captivated by. Mm, you know, I think the world is captivated by this one, and I'm sure you probably know what I'm going to talk about, but I'm really interested in the dynamic of Vanderpump Rules, and not just because, like, 
And not just because like it's taking over, you know, mainstream and everyone's talking about it. But I'm really interested from like a trauma recovery space mm. of like when I watch these shows, I love watching reality TV show because when I watch them, I'm always looking for when's the moment that this person got triggered? Like when did their brain go offline? And so I kind of nerd out when I watch these shows. Like, of course, you know, drama is enticing, right? Because we're all humans and we can get into that. But I love like I love nerding out on it and watching it from like a trauma recovery lens and like oh what's happening with this nervous system and what's going on here and how are they like not able to communicate this way so it's been really fascinating and I think it's really interesting that the whole world is kind of watching this space right now um so yeah I think that's the thing that I'm most captivated with right now interesting that's i haven't heard that perspective funny. yeah you're yeah. also like i love it yeah you're also probably like the fifth guest <laughs> <laughs> like in a row i think that has said Vanderpump <laughs> yeah yeah it's wild too like there's the take on mental health too right like the conversation around mental health in that space i i find it really fascinating to watch what like mainstream's putting out and yeah there's just so many things i feel like we could you could do a whole podcast on just nervous system and everything in mainstream oh, media 1, oh yeah it's yeah. you could literally pick apart every single reality show like the bachelor bachelorette mm-hmm. like love island kardashian yes you could blind, just literally pick apart yeah. like nitpick so, each one just like even certain like just even the scandoval episode then like when ariana is like (laughs) confronting tom because that's the only episode that i've seen i watched it because i didn't want to feel left out (laughs) i was like i need to know what's going on i'm so i'm so left out i literally long story short i thought vanderpump rules was a show about vampires so (laughs) (laughs) so i love that i have zero zero clue what's going on in the world but it's funny that everyone's brought it up and i'm like should i go watch this show <laughs> I mean, if you're into reality tv and drama yeah you might get sucked I in do. oh it's my take you out interesting place it's yeah thousand percent right up yeah. hannah's yeah. alley yeah. i know i know <laughs> i'm watching so many things <laughs> yeah i just got suckered into selling sunsets so oh that's, that's a good a one too one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's a good one Man. well Man. I, I love that we are all just <laughs> on the same page with Vanderpump Rules and everything that's going on in that show right now because, God, I could just see people just dissecting every little ounce of that entire show uh, and going over, like, just some of the trauma that they've probably encountered just from being on that show in general. But that was one thing that we really wanted to bring oh, yeah. you on yeah. to talk about was uh, just how you got into becoming, like, a trauma coach and what that pathway looked like for you yeah you know it's not very conventional it was really out of my own pain so I'm going to try to keep it like right reader's digest version but I um, had been through childhood trauma I'd been through adolescent trauma and I never thought these things were traumatic um, until my body just completely shut down Mm. so At 22, my husband and I lost three friends in nine and a half months, and these deaths brought up all of this suppressed trauma and pain that I had shoved down and saved for a rainy day and, like, just completely and honestly disassociated from. Like, there's memories that came back that I completely forgot about. 
And I remember feeling so low and I had tried, you know, talk therapy, EMDR, CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, hypnotherapy, and nothing really seemed to move the needle for me. And I just felt lost and alone. And I was like, I'm trying everything. And like, I call, can I swear on this podcast? I think you're probably fine with it, but I like to ask, like, I call myself a scrappy motherfucker. Like you tell (laughs) me to do something and I will like do it and I'll do it to the T and I'll figure it out. And I'll like Jerry rig it together. Like I'm very good at being scrappy. So all these therapists were like, Ali, you have the tools, you understand it. Like you're getting results. But I just felt like in my body, something was really off. And so at 22, I found a trauma recovery coach that worked with the nervous system and the body. And, you know, I told him, I was like, I feel like all this pain that I've shoved down is really coming up. He's like, you're not going to believe me, but I've worked with PTSD and more veterans specifically for 40 years. And he's like, this is trauma and it happens to everyday individuals. And we think that you have to be either go to war or have been raped. And I was raped and I still didn't think it was trauma. Mm. Right. So then kind of fast forward three years later, I'm in intense trauma recovery and it's three weeks before my husband and I get married and I get diagnosed with late stage Lyme and multiple autoimmunities. And I knew enough about trauma and how it was stored in the body that this was like a result of my nervous system being in fight or flight for a really long time. It's like it was showing in these ways. Um, And so I sat in an IV room for nine and a half months, three to four times a week, six to eight hours a day, almost died of sepsis from a port in my chest. And that experience really broke me down into asking myself, like, who do you want to be when you get out of here? Like, who do you want to help? Who do you want to serve? And it was never trauma. Like, I was like, there's no freaking way. You couldn't pay me to do this, right? Like, I went to college to be like... I went to college to be a sports agent. I was like, I'm going to be the next Aaron Andrews. Like, I'm going to sit and talk to the hot football players. Like, that was my vibe. That is a vibe. That is a solid vibe. (laughs) (laughs) And so life had a different plan for me. And I would never see myself anywhere else but helping people with trauma recovery and nervous system regulation because I've seen how much it's relieved like giving me, me relief. And so I see that with other clients as well. Wow. I You've been through can the definitely relate. <laughs> But I can definitely relate to it though, I feel like, because yeah. I think I'm somebody who, and I've been very open about this on the podcast, that I have experienced trauma. I was in a, um, like a very narcissistic relationship with somebody uh, and he was extremely toxic and we call him the doctor on this podcast. Uh, but I love that. <laughs> It was a situation of I was luckily like already in talk therapy like when I started dating him and we dated for six months and my I was still seeing my therapist like through the breakup and it got to the point where I think she was just like she's not getting it so I'm gonna have to just say it and she basically one day was like let's just be frank let's just be real this is trauma. Like, this this is PTSD that you were suffering from. And I honestly, like, I would have never myself, like, said that or thought that if she hadn't had um, hit me with that realization because it was just something where, I, like, I thought, like, you had to go through combat or you had to be, like, in physical danger, like, in a physical violent relationship in order to have, quote-unquote, trauma. But you've talked a lot about... Um, like big T and like little T trauma and like the difference between all of those. And that is something that like everybody, like you said, can go through. It's not reserved for these exclusive Mm -hmm. big moments. Can you talk a little bit about like what the difference you feel like is between the two things? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, just for like anyone out there that's like, oh, I might have trauma. Like trauma is really at the bottom line is anything that left your nervous system in a space of fight or flight longer than it takes to outrun the metaphorical tiger that's chasing you. Mm. So like Mm -hmm. we need to be in fight or flight to live, right? Like it's for survival. It's really what we're geared towards, right? If your body's in fight or flight for longer than outrun, than it takes to outrun, like the thing that's chasing you, whether, yeah, the thing that's chasing you, like that's when you get trauma, right? So the way that I kind of describe this is, and I'm going to go into the little teen big T, but for all my people that like need imagery, um, the way that I describe this is imagine that there's you two. Okay. No, actually I'm not gonna take you. I'm going to take two other people. I'm going to say just person A and person B. Okay. Let's take person A. Cause I don't want to, I'm like, I don't know your story. So I'm not going to put you in these categories. So let's take person A and person B. Okay. Let's say person A comes from your ideal situation, which is that they've learned how to regulate their nervous system. They come from a stable home. You know, they understand about moving emotional charge out of their body, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And person B, who comes from a dysregulated home, they don't know how to move the emotional charge out, they cut, up from their, cut off from their emotions, they hide them under the rug, etc. Okay? They both witness a car accident. Person A, you know, it's probably going to, like, they're both going to be affected by it, right? But person A is probably going to be like, you know what? They do their tools, they regulate their body, and they probably do this, like, not super consciously, right? Because if they've grown up in a healthy and stable home... So person A is like your ideal kind of scenario. Person B, though, is probably going to be thinking about the person that's gone to the hospital. They're going to be calling the hospital to check in. in. Every time they drive by that place, they're going to be thinking about it. It's going to be it, like, right? All of these things are going to happen. And that's how I like to look at like big T and little T traumas, too, is like big T traumas are the ones that we think about, right? We think about war. We think about rape. We think about sexual assault. We think about car accidents, et cetera. Little T traumas might be, you know, microaggressions. They might be smaller things that are that are happening over time. Someone is saying something, they're talking down to you. And the thing is, is little T traumas can add up to a big T trauma. They can still be in the nervous system in the same way, right? Depending mm-hmm. on how many of them you have. Yeah. Interesting. That's cool. I have never thought about it like that, like that you could split it up. And that makes a lot of sense. I'm just thinking about like the different reactions that, like that you use, like with like the A and the B person, and how I. It's so weird that you, I can see myself having different reactions to like the those different things and seeing. And also, I, I know Hannah so well. I mean, I've been friends with her for like 12 years now. That I'm also just trying to picture like what her reaction would be at the same time because we've also been in a car wreck together. So I'm all. So I'm also just trying to like, yeah. yeah. Call like, how did we react to this and this, and like break that down and everything. It's so. I think that's really helpful yeah. for a lot of people to be able to approach it like in that mindset and not think that it has to be this, like, not like just bad big thing that like you have to go through like this life altering yeah. thing where like you are I mean you are changed in some way but like it's it's not always the most violent thing that has to happen um for you to experience it right i think that a lot of people dismiss whether they have trauma because they just don't want to say that they're like oh i want to only reserve the like potency of that word for these things but in doing that they're completely like bypassing themselves right like in not actually understanding and seeing and like recognizing that. And that was me for a long time is like, even though I had a big T trauma, I had a couple big T traumas and 
I just completely disassociated from them. And I was like, people use this word and they throw it around. But then it was me really just, you know, bypassing my own emotions because I was too scared to like dig in and actually feel what was going on in my body. So I think it's always really good to bring it up and just go, you know, it is, it's, it is scary. Like to look at your life and go, oh my goodness, these are the things that are still affecting my body, affecting my health, my physical health, my mental health, et cetera. Well, and you mentioned the body, and I think that that's one thing that I really would love to know more about because everybody always talks about how trauma and like you know emotional pain is stored within our body. And Hannah knows for a fact that this is something that I definitely am so like perplexed by. And one reason is, and mm. before like before we get into it, like, and I because I want you to walk us through this and understand like why that is the way it is. For my own example, um, so that the gals can understand, like I said before, I was in a uh, toxic relationship with someone who was really narcissistic, and I noticed after that relationship, nothing, no physical violence ever. It was all just emotional and, like, mental, but I noticed that, like, whenever I was dating men after him, I did not like it whenever they would touch the back of my neck could not figure out why it's not like he ever like you know grabbed me by the back of the neck or anything like that but anytime someone did that it was literally like it would send shivers down my spine and i would have like this like Mm. awful gut feeling and i couldn't for the life of me figure out why there was only other one person who was the exception to that and that was somebody that i was ended up dating later on and was deeply in love with and it was i feel like it was because i felt super like safe and uh comfortable with them but any other person they touched there immediately like it was like my body was saying nope 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 get out of here absolutely not so i would love for you to like break down a little bit like what does it mean that like trauma is being stored in the body and like it not always being something that comes from physical violence yeah I mean, I'm so curious about that and what you touched I'm on. I'm curious like about that. it. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. I mean, I feel like we could talk about that offline if you wanted to, or we could talk about it here. But we like, can talk about it either way. I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'm more curious. Like, did would he touch your neck and then, like, then he mm. would start to emotionally abuse you? See, and that is the thing. Like, can I, you pinpoint that? I have the only time I can ever recall him touching like the back of my neck is usually whenever he would try to be. Um, more like I felt like he was trying to like kiss up and like play Mr. Nice Guy in a way and like that is the only time I can ever recall it was when he was I could feel like he was trying to be affectionate but there was like an un, like an underlying motive to it okay that makes total sense then then your nervous system's getting pings like mm-hmm. our bodies know yeah. right before our brain knows So your nervous system was getting these like pings that like something's off here, danger, like Mm -hmm. some, like something's not connecting. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that makes total sense to me is like your body was feeling it before your brain came online to be like, oh, this is what's happening. And this is his pattern. And oh, now he's going to kiss up. But really, he hasn't like actually said apologized or et cetera, et cetera. And he's just making me out and manipulating me. Right. Like Mm -hmm. your body knew all of that. And then your brain came online later. Got it. Yeah. So going into kind of how your body knows is that, um, so there's this gentleman named Peter Levine who started this thing called somatic experiencing and what he brought to trauma recovery. And I love to explain this because it helps to just describe what happens with your body, but he studied animals out in the wild and he looked at why prey specifically were not being traumatized 
Like, how come a little bunny rabbit could be chased by a coyote and it's not constantly in a state of fight or flight? And what he found is that these animals completed what's called a stress cycle. So it goes like this. At the top, there's a trigger. Then you go into fight or flight. Then the animal has a discharge at the bottom. And then you go into rest and digest. So for all of my imagery people out there, imagine you're a little bunny rabbit. You hear a coyote break a branch. So you alert. That's your trigger, right? You look over. You see the coyotes. You start running. So you're going into fight or flight. Then if you get to a place where you're safe, you go into this discharge. So whether you're doing different things, you're shaking, you know, you're yawning, there's different ways that people discharge. And then they go into a space of rest and digest. Most people go from triggered to fight or flight, triggered to fight or flight. So when this happens, this, it builds this charge, right? Like you have adrenaline, you have cortisol, you have all these hormones pumping. And if you don't actually discharge that pain and you don't get into rest and digest, you don't get into your parasympathetic nervous system, which is so trendy right now, but really if you don't get there, <laughs> then it's going to show up in health ways. It's going to show up in autoimmunity. It's going to show up in disease. It's going to show up in cancer, et cetera, because your body has been pumping hormones and the thing is not chasing you anymore, right? Mm interesting this is all so interesting i saw i saw this tiktok not to circle to tiktok literally like it was like why am i in fight or flight mode like fight or flight mode was here to like protect us why am i why am i in flight or fight or flight mode when i receive an email and i was just like (laughs) i feel like that's me i feel like i'm constantly like in fight or flight and like, I mean, I get migraines, like, and headaches all the time. And I know mm. it's caused by stress and like probably high cortisol levels and just all of the crazy things. But it's just so interesting that we as humans don't really take, always take the time to like get rid of it and then take the time to rest. Well, we don't know how. I have no idea Yeah. How. We like, like no one's taught in elementary school. Okay. You have anger. Like this is actually a healthy emotion. Let's show this in a healthier way. No, you're told to like, go sit in a corner, go to the principal's office and then you're shamed for it. And then the shame, and then you live in the shame story. So every single time you have anger, you Mm -hmm. shove it down and save it for a rainy day. Right. Like, and so these things like uh, such a great example, Hannah, is that when you're in fight or flight, little things will piss you off. Like, oh my goodness, why is this person chewing so loudly? Or like, oh my goodness, I'm in a yoga class and they're breathing so heavy. I want to kill them. You know, like these things are literally because your nervous system is just like, there's no more that can be poured into it. There's like no regulation. Yeah. Well, I describe it as like a water bottle with my clients and I'm like, you're here. And someone puts one drop in, someone says something to you, someone cuts you off on the fruit and you're like, I'm going to kill you. You know, I'm done with you. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, because you have no room in your nervous system to like tolerate these things. Yeah. No, that's so interesting. I work with a lot of parents. So like a lot of, a lot of the, I'm a speech therapist, my like nine to five job. And so a lot of the people that I work with, like are very into gentle parenting and like talking through emotions. And Mm. I just am so happy that this is something that is become more accepted within the world because a lot of us were, you know, told to go to our rooms and figure it out ourselves or, you know, timeouts in the corner at school or, you know, lay your head down for five minutes until you can figure it out. And like that taught us nothing. And so it's really encouraging to see that this is becoming, like you said, a little bit more trendy in the sense of like, we're actually going to 
teach these kids how to talk through their emotions. But also, I still don't know how to talk through my emotions. So I'm like, when I do have kids, how do I breach that subject? So all of this is just really interesting for sure. But I am so curious. Like you, you mentioned like getting through like in that stress cycle and like doing like like body shaking. Like, is it literally just like just shaking your body, or is it something that's a little bit more like has a technique to it? Yeah. I mean, different things, right? Like if you work with, you know, like a trauma recovery coach or when I'm working with clients, it's like, I'm, I'm seeing where their nervous system is at. So Mm -hmm. I'm using different tools and techniques with them, but you know, for people, it looks differently. Some people are like screaming and crying, right? Because like this pain that they've never been able to release is finally coming out. Some people are punching a pillow and finally expressing their anger that they've had for 30 years, right? Others are like shaking and like literally like shaking like I I describe this to well, I don't describe this but I say this to like my moms because they'll get it is um this is really interesting too you know when you go into labor you start shaking apparently is from what I've heard from my mom friends mm-hmm. or if you come out of a surgery you're shaking and I've had this and I'll be like oh my gosh I'm shaking and the doctor will go oh great we'll give you medication for that that's actually how your body is discharging the pain that you just went through oh, wow. so it's super healthy to shake But modern medicine is like, oh, you are not able to tolerate this and we haven't taught you and we don't know about it because they're not trauma informed. So they immediately shut it down. So you never release it. That's restored. Right. So I have people that come to me that have had surgery and it's like we're working with their nervous system and they're like, oh my gosh, like, and they start shaking because it's like we're touching on this material that's, you know, happened when they were in surgery and their body's remembering it. So yeah, I mean, shaking can be one of them. Like, I mean, TikTok's super trendy right now. So, like, you'll see a lot of things of, like, how you can release trauma on TikTok. There's a great, like, if you just shake and, like, breathe, you know, um, you want sound, you want movement, and you want breath when you're releasing trauma. Mm-hmm. So you want those three things when you're releasing them out of your body. Um, for also all of the TikTok galleys out there, like, you can look up... Um, It's like hip shaking on TikTok and it like helps release trauma from the hips. And I always caution people with this because people always want like free resources to help with this stuff. But I always caution people that have been through any type of sexual trauma to not do that alone because stuff can come up and you really want to be with a professional when it's coming up because it can like overwhelm your system. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, but long story long is that... Yes, shaking can help. <laughs> Reason I'm asking is because this is so weird. I was so my undergrad degree was in acting and whenever we would go through like really um dramatic, really um emotionally high intense scenes uh in class, we would always do like aftercare for those scenes and just to like, you know, bring you back down to like a normal state and just to make sure that you feel like safe and comfortable. And I remember that one scene I was doing where my character I don't remember the play, but in long story short, my character has an abortion without telling her husband and the news unravels at his birthday party in front of all their friends. So like a super like high stakes, high emotional yes. level uh, scene. And afterwards, our professor had us lie on our backs and like, like reach our arms up in the air and reach our legs up in the air and just hold there and breathe through it. And eventually your limbs will start to shake. And it was a way of just like, like emotionally, mm. like regulating like our whole body and getting us back to like, um, 
just like a neutral state and like people would oftentimes like you know just let out like these like very like girthy like moans like from their diaphragm and just you can just hear them just kind of like just neutralizing themselves and just calming themselves down and now I'm just like I need to do that way more often in my everyday life I think (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean you know it's 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 interesting you talk about that. It's cool that you have that background too and that knowledge because when people actually tap into what the emotion is, it's not pretty. Like we're like, oh, I'm like grunting, you know, and then there's like shame around making any noise and you're <laughs> yeah. like, okay, well, this is actually the thing that's going to help you. But yeah, that's really interesting that and great and like very informed that they had you do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have made it out alive if we had, had done that. <laughs> in some of those classes yeah. but I needed a reset absolutely and I think you know having that release is so helpful because there's often times where I feel like my body will just often tense up whenever I the anytime like my stress levels just like escalate just like even the slightest and I can feel like my shoulders just automatically start rising and just reminding myself that like it is just a Slack message. It is It is just a text message. We don't have to go into this, like, huge overriding, um, like, panic attack over it. I mean, because that was honestly something that happened, like, seven days ago, where I received a text message from an ex that I didn't want to get a text message from. And mm-hmm. I immediately had to, like, call a friend. And I was like, I need you. I was like, instead of me going straight into a panic attack, I was like, I need you to help, like, regulate me. Like, yeah. just talk with me calm me down real quick because I, I and I thankfully like knew that that was what I needed in that moment and not to send myself like spiraling into like 5,000 different places but for me it was I've gone through years of therapy and years of healing this and I feel like that is something that I've met people and they're like wow you sound so emotionally healthy now like how did you get to that point and because if you don't have access to therapy I think it, it can always be hard what are some ways that you feel like people can start that healing journey? Is it just like accepting that they have trauma? Like, where does that begin? Yeah. I mean, I think that my biggest proponent, and this is like, I will stand, this is the hill that I will die on is that like talk therapy can only get you so far, so far because it's trauma stored in the body. Right. Mm -hmm. So I did talk therapy. I did counseling for a long time. And I like had, I said that, I think, yeah, I said that in the beginning of my story, but you know, it's like talk therapy and all these things are a top down approach. So they start with the brain first. And when you're working with trauma, it's like you want a body up approach because for whenever you feel anxiety, when you got that text message, where do you feel it? And probably your stomach or your chest, my chest. Yeah. My heart immediately started. I don't know if I've ever paid attention Oh, yeah, it's your heart's all racing. I do. It's, it's not your brain. Like I then do. your brain comes on board. Yeah. It's your body. Right. Yeah. And so when, you know, when people are starting out this journey, I'm always like, just acknowledging, like, what is your emotion that you're feeling? Like just acknowledging your emotions is the first thing. And then the second step, if you want to be a pro is like, where are you feeling this in your body? Yeah. And connecting the two and going, okay, this is survival mode. This is not my reality, right? This is the past coming into the present and I'm reenacting it in the present. And that's trauma is because the past isn't resolved in your body. So then Mm. it's like, oh my goodness, here we go. This is the thing. And where's the tiger? And I don't know where the tiger is, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's still like your body knows this pattern so well. 
So that's what I would tell people is like acknowledge their emotion connected to where it is on their body and then remind themselves that this is not happening right now. I'm just like thinking about it now. Like I feel like I get like a tight chest, but I have a lot of gut issues. I feel like, especially in the morning, which is when I'm the most anxious yep. at the start of the day. I was going to say, yep. and it is like, I feel like for Hannah, so frustrating. <laughs> it is definitely in your gut. And I feel like, t- tell me if I'm wrong, Allie, is IBS like not connected to like all of this? Oh, 100%. They just came out with a study recently that IBS is a nervous system connection instead of actually like, like a a stomach disorder. I'm like not getting the words right, but yeah, essentially that it's, it's connected, connected to, to yeah. like not being regulated. Yeah, I mean, when you think or, about it, mm-hmm. 100%, when you think about it, everything shuts down. So like nothing's moving in your stomach. So then you're getting IBS, right? So then things are happening. Then you're having leaky gut. Then you're having SIBO. Then you're having candida. Like all of these things are happening. Then you're having autoimmunity. Like I've been there. I've been through all <laughs> yeah. of it, right? So it's like, I know from a personal <laughs> take of like how much being in fight or flight has a toll on your body it just does like think about it when you have that many hormones something's going to show up Mm -hmm. it's inevitable it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when and now i'm sitting here i'm like what the fuck happened to me (laughs) (laughs) like what is this like what is my tea i'm so confused (laughs) (laughs) hannah you do not know how understand how long i have sat here trying to overlook like your entire life and i'm like Hannah has to be like hiding something from me because there's got to be a reason that she reacts it this way, this way. I figured out the reason that I react to certain things this way. Where the ha- where's Hannah gone wrong? I don't know. Maybe I mean, I'll do know, some journaling. We'll deep dive. Yeah, I mean, I will say too is like I have this. I'll just offer this to you, Hannah. And I don't know if this like resonates yeah. at all, and I'm sure people will will resonate with this. Is like disassociation, like cutting off from reality is something that keeps people safe a lot of the time. Mm, so like mm-hmm. going through the day with like kind of a glaze over your eyes, like I couldn't get through a minute without being glazed over. Like someone would start talking and I would just glaze over, mm. right? So it's yeah. like when people are like, oh, I'm having gut issues or I'm having this or my body and this and that. And they're like, but I haven't had any trauma. And then we start working through it and it's like, like oh. <laughs> here and here and here. And they're like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Like I didn't know how connected that was to my body, right? So- I mean, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, disassociation can also be a thing. Yeah. I also, that comes out. like, I'm also a musician and I write a lot of freaking sad songs. So I'm like, there's mm. something that I've like <laughs> hidden deep, deep, deep. <laughs> you know, I will say yes. Yes. And I will say too, is that I was in four years of intense trauma recovery before I had flashback memories of like awful childhood trauma. Yeah. So it's like your body wants to, for, like your mind wants to forget, but your body keeps a score. Like your body always remembers. So, I mean, it's just something to be interested about, mm-hmm. right? For sure. And this, well, on that note, that's something that I've, I've been told by other friends that, uh, is it EMDR therapy would be something that I should do, but I'm also like, absolutely terrified of it because i know that it's in a way i don't know everything about it but in a way it's like you're like re like going through like all your trauma like in a hypnotic sort of way or something and i'm like that's scary because there's a reason my brain forgot something and i don't want to know what it forgot because like like i was in that relationship that was like 2019 
And I was also, when middle school, I was, like, severely isolated and bullied. Um, My best friend, like, at the time, like, turned against me and, like, turned all of our friends, like, against me. So I had, like, Mm. one friend. And so I was very isolated. I was bullied. And so that's where a lot of my, like, people-pleasing tendencies definitely came from. Because before that, I would have said I was perfectly fine, like, and had a really healthy childhood until that incident. And then that was, like, the catalyst that was, like that really took a much bigger effect on my life than I ever imagined. And then once I started getting into more serious relationships, I saw that also coming forward. And I didn't think that they were connected, but turns out they were. Uh, So I'm just like, there's something my brain has probably forgotten. And I'm terrified to know what that could possibly be. So is is that always something like like EMDR therapy or whatever, like hypnosis therapy, like is that always something that's approachable for everybody or should it be like a case-by-case kind of thing? You know, I can just talk from my personal experience yeah. is that EMDR is still like it's I, – I can never get it right. It's eye movement desensitization something. Mm-hmm. Like sure. I <laughs> never get the wording right, but essentially it's like – your eyes are moving back and forth because you're in fight or flight, right? So when you're in fight or flight, you only see this. So imagine your eyes going bing, 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 back and forth, mm-hmm. okay? When you're not in fight or flight, you can see out here, right? When you're doing EMDR, you're working with your eye pattern, okay? Your eyes are only, I don't know, 10% of your whole body. So in my opinion, <laughs> right, yeah. like you're not bringing on the rest of the body. No, fair So point. I would say... Yeah. I mean, for me, it spiraled me out because it brought me back to these memories that were really strong, especially with hypnosis. Like hypnosis, I will say, helped to a point because you're not bringing on the body. You're you're going deeper into the brain and then you're bringing, you're like, how do I say this? It's like you're reverting back to that moment mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm safe now, right? Trying to work with that memory to befriend it. And those things just don't work with the body. So for me, I'm such a body-based practitioner because that's what I've seen help myself and so many other people. So I think you got to do what you got to do and everyone is different, right? And so if you go to EMDR and that like moves the needle 10% and then you're like, okay, I need to do some body-based therapies and then that moves it 90% or whatever, like... I think you got to just start where you need to start but no, on your a, journey. That's a fair point because I, I would not have thought about the fact that, you know, it is only like your eyes and like your brain at that point. It's not really engaging the rest of the body. So that then that is a really super fair point. I'm glad that I asked that and got some clarity on that. Um, I want to talk about... But it the, depends on who you're talking to, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Absolutely. I, I One thing that I'm curious about and I would love to talk about is um, where does just talking about trauma like reached like a dead end and how does someone know like this is, i i need to explore more of the um like body healing and some code to someone like you i would say when it keeps on spiraling you out so i the best way that i can describe this and people that have been to talk therapy like typically resonate with this is like i still felt like i wanted to like scroll like crawl out of my skin mm-hmm. like I still had this like very kind of visceral feeling, even though I was super disconnected from my body. I was like, when anger would come up or when any of these things would come up, I would just like want to like crawl out of my skin is the best way that I could say it. Um, 
And most people that come to me are like, hey, I've tried these things. They aren't like resonating the way that I think that they should be. And that's why I'm like, I will stand on this hill till the day I die (laughs) talking about that you have to move the emotional charge out of your body to find relief. Because Mm -hmm. like I, it makes me so sad that people, you know, never feel like they can find relief from their trauma and that they have to live in it and that it has to become them. And I've been there. And so that's why I'm so passionate about it because, you know, I was diagnosed with complex PTSD and developmental trauma and all these like labels that we can put on it. And I found relief. And so that's why I just want to spread this message that just because something happened to you, it does not have to define your present and your future. Like you are so much more than that. So I know that kind of went off off of your question. No, but, but I, I love that you said that because it actually it was leading into another question that I had, which was I feel like sometimes people get really attached to their trauma and that label and it becomes their identity in some way. And it can be, I feel like it can be hard to break that. And how does, is, is it just like admitting that like this is not a part of you, like who you are as a person. It's not the whole like center of your soul that you are more than that. And just meeting with somebody like you to kind of like have that realization that they can break away from that. But I think that one thing for me, it was, that was something that I was always like, Hannah can test to it. It was (laughs) a situation where I noticed it was bad for me that I was doing that because not only did I write a whole film about that trauma, but then like on like two birthdays (laughs) later, I was drunk on my 28th birthday and I remember giving a speech and the speech starting with I'm really glad you guys are all here birthdays are a really touchy subject to me because you all know I was dumped on my 26th birthday and they're like why are you mentioning this why are you bringing him up like why are we talking about this and then it was me realizing I need to detach from this I need to let this go and for me it was taking back control of the narrative and by making my film and having that go out but yeah, I, I feel like it, it was super hard. And I feel like some people definitely like can probably relate to that where they feel like they get super attached to it and it becomes like a label of their body. Yeah. You know, I, it's like hindsight is such a beautiful thing, but I think that when people are on their healing journey, it almost is a thing that like empowers them to keep going, right? Like for me, I was like, that in this, now that I look back on it, definitely victim mentality where it's like, you don't know what happened to me. I'm going to play Beyonce. I'm going to say, fuck you. I'm going to talk shit when I'm drunk to you. Like I'm like Beth Dutton, you know, like (laughs) that's where my like anger came out. It wasn't physical. It was definitely more verbal. I was like, Beth and I are besties when I was pissed off. Like literally that was me. My therapist like told me, he was like, this is you. I was like, Yes, I know. Like, and thank God that I got support and regulated my nervous system so that she doesn't run the show. Right. But like definitely was there. Um, and so I think that it's a matter of like for me and, and when I felt it was when I just my body felt different. Like it was an embodiment thing. It was really, truly feeling like, oh, damn, I don't need to be so hard towards other people because of this thing that's happened to me like this isn't my driving force anymore Mm. you know because a lot of us it's like that's the driving force that's why we do the thing that's why we run that's why we talk this way that's why we show up this way that's why we're funny you know like Mm -hmm. all of these kind of narratives that we have but for me it's really like when you can feel different 
Yeah. How how do you know? It, it, and this could be an open ended question. Are you? How do you know that you're quote unquote healed? Are you ever fully healed, or is this something that you're going to be constantly like working through for years, maybe the rest of your life? Yeah, you know how I think about it is like it's a it's a wound, right? At first, it's like you have this wound on your arm, and I don't know if you follow Dr. Julie, but like I always talk about this, and she did a great mm. visual of this. I would highly recommend her on Instagram. She did this, and she like bandage herself up and she was like this is a wound and it's like you've done everything for your life to cover it up and then maybe in therapy or maybe like in talk therapy this is where talk therapy is great but like in talk therapy you're taking off the wound and you're acknowledging you have this hemorrhaging wound that's like giving you all this it's infested it's like gross right and as you heal as you do the trauma work as you do the nervous system work etc that wound becomes a scar right and I don't know if you have a scar, like I have a big scar on my neck. Mm-hmm. There's sometimes in the seasons where I'll, I'll feel it and it will like, it'll like tremor, you know? Mm-hmm. And then other times someone will touch it and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I forgot I had a scar. Maybe someone will call it out and be like, oh, I noticed you have a scar right there. But I'm not thinking about it 24-7, yeah. seven days a week, right? So that's how I think of trauma is like, it becomes a scar and it's not running your life and you're not trying to like hide from it, uh, it and bandage it. And you're not constantly thinking about it. But when you do the work, it's like now it's a scar and you don't, you're not constantly thinking about it. Like I'm not constantly thinking about the things that have happened to me that have been big T traumas. Whereas if you asked me six years ago, I would be like, that's the only thing I think about. Mm. Yeah. I like the framing of that. I like that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is something that I, I'm definitely yeah. closer to getting to myself for sure. But I, I this has been Yay. so enlightening. Like this has been so, I'm so glad. Trust me, I, I, Hannah can tell you this was like episode. I was like, I cannot wait. I have so many questions I need to like talk yes. to her about and everything. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> I, I, and I feel like we could sit here and like let this go on for hours. But I want to like ask you like one last question. We always end our episodes like with a survival tip. And one survival tip mm. that I would like to ask you is, you know, so if someone's listening to this and they're they're thinking like I, they're looking at an event that's happened in their life, and I think this is some like trauma is um, coming from this. Like, how can someone start the process of healing from that? Wow, that's such a good question. I have like seventy five answers going through my brain. <laughs> Hold on, give me a second. <laughs> like, okay, someone's just starting out. Like, they're just starting out. They've never gone to therapy. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would say admitting to yourself that you're not okay. Like I have a neon sign in my office that's lit up and it says it's okay to not be okay Mm. because that was the message that I needed to hear and remind myself of because I just thought that I needed to shove everything down and, you know, move it aside and be a people pleaser and be an energizer bunny, right? And that my identity was wrapped up in this, et cetera, et cetera. So I would say just being like, it's okay to not be okay. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, it's weird if you're happy all the time. Fun fact of the day. Like, you're not supposed to be happy all the time. It's an emotion, right? <laughs> Comes and goes. So I would say that would be my first, that would be my thing that I would say to someone. It's like, it's okay to not be okay. And there's nothing wrong with you. Mm. I like that. Yeah, that's I powerful. Like that. I, also, I also need that neon sign now too, myself. 
I was going to say, that's neon yeah. sign. <laughs> it's so great. People are always like, I like your sign. I'm like, right, because we all need the reminder. Yes. Like, I still need that reminder because I'm like, oh, okay. No, it's okay, Allie. Like, it's okay to not be okay. Like, I still need that reminder. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been such a delight sitting here talking to you. I'm so glad that we had you on. I want to leave the mic all to you for a second and let people know uh, where they can find you, uh, where they can get more of your content. Yeah. So um, everything is AllieCates.co. So that's Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, wherever you do your social media perusing. Um, And then my website is www.AllieCates.co. And I'm most active on Instagram. So you can either DM me or send me an email too. Amazing. We will definitely leave a link to all that in our show notes for the gals to be able to check out. But thank you so much, Allie, for coming on the show. We really have appreciated this and enjoyed this talk. And I hope the gals were able to get um, some really great information from it. Thank you so much for having me. And so that does it for today's episode of The Gals Guide. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Gals Guide Pod. Also like us on Facebook at The Gals Guide and become a Gal Scout in our Facebook community. You can also hit us up on our website, thegalsguidepod.com, and our personal social media, which we will have linked in our show notes. Also, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review. And then if you're listening to us on Spotify, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. So thanks for listening, gals, and we hope you come back for our next journey.